We really look forward to seeing you on Mother's Day. Let me say, I just saw Becky walk in back there. Wave your hand for just a second. Today is Becky and her family's last day. They've been with us a number of years now, but they're headed to the D.C. area. So we want to remember them in, uh, in our prayers. Can we just give them a hand for their service and faithfulness to the church, though? They've been with us a long time and uh, led a lot of different ministries in the church and uh, have been a, a pretty vital part of what God's doing here for a number of years, and we're going to miss them. And uh, so we pray God's blessing. But the way I have to look at that as a pastor is that we're just sending out missionaries, and uh, when the Navy decides to send somebody to Guam or wherever it is they go, then we just have to look at it that way because there's not a thing in the world we can do about it other than pray and just believe the Lord to, to go with them. And hopefully that something that we sowed into their life will come to fruition and maturity and will do something great elsewhere. Well, if you don't know me, I'm Pastor Mike Sains, the lead pastor here at the Harbor. I welcome you to the final installment of our Scandalous series. I want to remind you the word scandalous is something, the meaning is something that causes public outcry because of a perceived offense against morality or law. Something that causes public outcry or outrage because of a perceived offense against morality or law. Now, I said that word offense, and it triggered something in my mind from our planning session last night and, uh, or yesterday morning, the day before. On June the 12th, I'll be preaching a standalone message. In other words, it's not tied to a series on overcoming offenses. Are y'all hearing me? Every man, woman, boy, and girl has the right to get offended. But not a single man, woman, boy, or girl has the right to stay offended and call themselves a Christian. Amen. So I want to urge you to be here on the 12th. That's the Sunday before Father's Day. Are y'all with me? Uh, yeah. So um, on June the 12th, dealing with offenses. I'm excited about that. But to say a little bit about... Um, uh, that, that little sit-down we did a second ago, I'm excited about life groups. They're, these The ones that we mentioned at the end, the auto mechanic deal and the uh, <clears throat> smartphone technology. I know some of y'all do some dumb things with smartphones. Are y'all with me? Say, man, come on. You ever done a dumb thing with smartphones? I have. One day I was typing real fast, and I said something and just hit send. and said, oh, my God, I didn't mean to send that. And I'm hoping I can get it deleted before anybody reads it. Are y'all with me? Because that autocorrect or smart stuff, whatever it is, man, it didn't know what I was intending. And uh, I have had somebody come and say, Pastor, what are you thinking? <laughs> you know? Anyway, so that, that is going to be a fun group. And I don't know who's going to lead it yet, but if you're interested in helping, you don't have to. But we'll build, every life group will have a syllabus that says, bottom line is, we're going to say, for instance, on week one is a meet and greet, week two we're going to learn how to download some apps. We might download a Facebook app or an Instagram or Snapchat or whatever. We'll learn how to navigate through Facebook, how to attach a file, how to write a post, how to block people that's annoying. Huh? How to, how, how to hide that without deleting them as a friend. And, all that. And, and we might even learn some Facebook etiquette. Anyway, so, so listen, uh, I want to urge you, don't be embarrassed if you don't know how to download an app or you don't know how to send your, your grandkids a picture of you or nothing like that. You know, this is a geared toward probably 45-ish and up because 
That's just the way it is. But hey, let's face it. If you don't know, you don't know. Huh? And so we want to help you with that. And we're going to find uh, some young and energetic person. That, it might even be my five-year-old granddaughter. No, it won't be her. But she'll say, Pop, let me use your phone. And, ta -ta -ta, and there, there she goes, man. I'm like, wow. So anyway, we want to do that. Uh, we want to do another group on photography if, if, if the Lord opens the door for that. Um, and simply like learning the technology or the, or the terminology, uh, you know, of, of the camera. Learning how to shoot some simple pics in all kind of light settings and learning how to batch them together and, uh, and do some editing and put it together to make a slideshow. Uh, we do have one on videoing, learning how to do some short video clips and merging that together and cutting out the things that you don't want there and voice overlays and various things like that. So those are some fun groups. And we also got some discipleship groups too. But I wanted to, in fact, when I get through preaching this morning, we're going to show you a video clip of um, one of our groups called Unqualified. Uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick wrote the book. I've read about two-thirds of it. Great book. So anyway, enough about that. Scandalous. Um, today I will talk with you about the scandal of Pentecost. Nothing rocked the Christian world or the world more than Pentecost. Someone says, are you Pentecostal? And you say, yeah. And they say, ah. Stay. You know, they dance and shout and speak in tongues and walk on pews and all this stuff and all, all of that. And, you know, I have found out that Pentecost has become more acceptable for a couple of reasons. Some have had a genuine experience, and then some Pentecostals just have forsaken their experience, and they've become a great amalgamation of just sort of a big mixed pot. But let me tell you what Pentecost is all about. We are called Pentecostal for what happened. Penta means 50. On the 50th day after Passover is where Acts chapter 2 took place. And so let me, if I may, just go ahead and explain this. But let me say this, as far as the Holy Spirit is concerned, you can't even get saved without Him. No man comes to the Father except the Spirit of the Lord draw him. So I wanted to lay out a, a little bit of that, if I may. Uh, but it, it, if there was anything that ever caused a public outrage, it would be what happened at Pentecost. Now I find, <clears throat> I find way back in the Bible a promise that the Holy Spirit was coming. Joel said in chapter 2 and 28, <clears throat> He said, it'll come to pass after this that I'll pour out my spirit <clears throat> upon mankind and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions and on every male and female servant I will pour out my spirit in those days. So I find then that, <coughs> that it was prophesied that the Holy Spirit was going to come. And then we find Jesus re <coughs> <excuse> me, <clears throat> reiterating that. <clears throat> Now, the Holy Spirit manifests himself a number of different ways. Uh, someone says, well, I don't know about this Holy Spirit guy. We are a Trinitarian church. That means we believe in uh, God who expresses himself in three persons. Not, not a split personality God, but God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And all main re mainstream religious churches do identify uh, Trinitarian, for that matter, the Baptist, the Methodist, the, uh, you know, uh, the Catholic, the, we are Trinitarian. Now, <clears throat> let me give you a quick example of Jesus being baptized in the Jordan River by his cousin John. Y'all remember that? <clears throat> the Bible says John baptized Jesus, and when he was coming up out of the water, the heavens opened up, and God in heaven said, This is my beloved Son. So God is in heaven. 
Jesus is in the hands of his cousin John being baptized. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit manifesting himself in the form of a dove come and lit on Jesus' shoulder to fulfill the prophecy that it is he that I light upon. That is the one. That is the Son of God. So then God can choose to manifest himself however he chooses. The Holy Spirit can manifest himself. Let, let me help you. How many of y'all believe in water? How many of y'all believe in ice? Huh? You know, uh, how many of y'all believe in air? Yeah, H2O. But it, it can be manifested in three ways. It can be manifested as a solid. It can manifest itself as a liquid. It can manifest itself as a, a gas. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And it, based on the surroundings, based on the atmosphere, uh, the temperature is it depends upon, you know, whether it's going, if it's below 32 degrees, guess what? It's going to be ice. You know, so what I'm saying is God can choose to manifest himself however he sees fit to do so. So let me tell you what you need to know this morning is this, that God promised us the Holy Spirit. Now, now someone says, now, now pastor, what is the benefit of me having the Holy Spirit? Let me just say this. How many of you would rather drive an old dumpy, old beat up Volkswagen or a brand spanking new Lexus with all the bells and whistles? All right. So listen. So hey, the deal is this. When you get saved, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and ask Him to forgive you of your sins, you turn from your wicked ways, you do your best to live a Christian life, you're saved. Praise God. You're saved. And you can go to heaven saved. Like, like I mean, that's the only way you can go to heaven is saved. But, but the thief on the cross, he didn't have time to go and say, man, I want to I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to get baptized in water. I want to do this. I want to do that. No, he got saved on his deathbed. That was it for him. But he got saved. But listen, if we have the time, we ought to want the deep things of God. We ought to want more than just a superficial relationship with him. Amen. What I'm saying is I would rather have all. Listen, if God has given me a gift. And listen, if there was an envelope left to you by your great uncle. And, and you know, your uncle owned all kind of stuff. I mean, he was a rich cat, you know. And, and there was an envelope and it had one of them had your name on it. I mean, would you say, well, he probably didn't really like me. I ain't going to open the envelope. What? You say. There ain't nobody going to do that. They're going to open that envelope because he might have left them a ranch. He might have left them uh, a car. He might have left them a million dollars or stocks and bonds and whatever. What I'm saying is this. The Holy Spirit is a gift that God the Father sent with his son Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm going to go away and I'm going to send you a gift from daddy. How many of us don't want to receive a gift? The Bible says every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. So what is in the envelope? What he's leaving us is something good for us. So why would I not want everything God has for me? Some of you are struggling right now in your Christian walk. Man, it's all you can do to stay saved. Because it's like you have no margins. And by the way, after Mother's Day, we'll start that series on margins. It's going to be great. Uh, you're going to enjoy that. I'm looking forward to it. But, um, but anyway, um, some people have no margin in their life. They have nothing. There's no rudder. There's nothing telling them what's. So they love the Lord. They're wanting to do good. But man, that drink just keep on looking so good. And I know I should not be drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. 
I know I should be putting off all this filthy communication out of my mouth, but I just can't help myself but cuss a blue streak every now and then, bless God. Hello? I can't help but put my arms around this sweet little honey. And uh, Are y'all hearing me? I know she ain't my wife, but oh, Lord, help me. You need to be filled with the Spirit. And listen, I'm not saying that you'll be perfect. Because we are filled with the Spirit some, and we haven't got there yet. We ain't perfect. But I'm telling you this, your fail rate is going to, I mean, I mean, your success rate is going to get a whole lot better than when you're trying to do it all on your own. When we say, Lord, I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. I want you to come in and live inside of me. I want to live better than just barely getting saved. Listen, if people look at you and can't tell any difference than from you and the world, there must not be any difference. Jesus said, by their fruit, you will know them. If I act like, walk like, talk like, drink like, smell like, smoke like, and do everything like the world, I am part of it. Now, look, there's a fine line. I'm not knocking people trying to reach out to people. Listen, I go where people are. I, I do. And I don't think I'm above them. We cannot ever look down condescending for such were some of we, us. Y'all with me? Say Amen. But I'm telling you, if you get filled with the Holy Spirit, He's going to help you. All of a sudden, you're going to, oh, something just hit me in my heart and said, I shouldn't say that. And then when you do go on Facebook and blab something that you know good and well tears down a brother, you're going to, the Scripture says, if it's not going to edify or build up, I ought not put it. And you got to go back and... <laughs> You might even have to go back online where everybody sees say, hey, the Holy Spirit just reminded me I ain't supposed to be tearing down my brother. And this was not edifying my brother, so I want to say I'm sorry. And I'm going to go take him out to dinner and tell him that. Woo! I didn't know Facebook would preach, but anyway. Let me say this. In John, um, uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist said, As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. In other words, that's getting saved. He said, but he that coming after me is mightier than I am. And he, and he, I'm not even fit to untie his sandals. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you all real quick. I wish I had time to tell you. But in, in, in Acts chapter 8, we find where Philip went down to Samaria. He preached the gospel and the whole city got saved. Woo! Now, now, when the apostles heard about that, when Peter and John heard about that, the church sent Peter and John down there and said, hey, Go down there and preach the Holy Ghost to them. Go down there and preach that there's a deeper walk than just getting saved. And so Peter and John come down there and preach, and the Bible said they were filled with the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues. I felt that one bounce back. It's all right. I ain't scared. I've been in this all my life. Are y'all with me? So, and, and I think about the Ephesian believers in Acts chapter number 19. The Bible says um, uh, they, they got saved when they preached the gospel to them, and Paul come down and asked them, had said, hey, have y'all received the Holy Spirit since you got saved? They said, we ain't even heard if there be a Holy Spirit. That's like some of y'all. We don't even heard if there is a Holy Ghost. He said, well, then let us bow and pray. We bow and pray, and the Bible says Paul laid his hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit and spake with tongues and prophesied. Now, there's some great explanation about that. I don't expect you to get it all in one whack, but we got a wonderful life group called the Holy Spirit. I don't know if it's in this coming semester or what, but I'll tell you this. One of the greatest books I've ever read on the Holy Spirit, and I've been doing this all my life, it's entitled The Holy Spirit by John Bevere. 
One of the great, there it is. Oh, I'm telling you, this media team is off the chain. Give them a hand, would you? The Holy Spirit by John Bevere, you can get it in Kindle, you can listen to it as you go down the road. They have audio, they got all kinds of stuff. I love it. I've read it four or five times, and it explains the gift of the Holy Spirit. So much, I mean, the person of the Holy Spirit. But, but John said in chapter 14, this is Jesus talking in verse 16. He said, I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate uh, uh, to help you and be with you forever. For the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you'll know him for he lives in you and he will be in you. Uh, verse 32, John gave this testimony. He said, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven. I told you all about this a moment ago, but I want to read it to you so you know it's in the Bible. John 1 32, I, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove. He said, and remain on him. Next verse. And uh, I saw, and myself, I did not know him. John said, I didn't know him. This is my cousin. But I didn't know that this was the Son of God, so to speak. He said, but the one whom uh, sent me to baptize with water told me, it's the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain on him. Uh, that, he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? He says, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So here's the prophecy. It says, God sent a sign. The Holy Spirit revealed himself in the form of a dove and lit on the shoulder of Jesus. And John said, this must be him. Uh, are y'all with me? Say amen. Uh, verse John 16 and 7 says this, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going to go away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. That's the Holy Spirit. He said, but if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he'll prove the world to be wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment about sin because the people don't believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to my Father where you can see me no longer. About judgment because the prince of this world stands now condemned. He said, notice this, John 16 and 12. I've got a lot more to tell you, but you can't bear it now. Next verse. But when the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. Let me tell you this. Some of you have been reading the Bible for years and you just don't get it. You say, I don't understand this. You've read it in every translation they make. I don't get it. You've listened to it in all kind of formats. I'm going to tell you something. Be filled with the Spirit. The Bible says, Jesus said, there's a lot of things I want to be able to tell you right now. There's a lot of things. Have you ever had somebody use this figure of speech? I would love to tell someone this, but they wouldn't be able to handle it. And that's what Jesus said. He said, there's things I want to reveal to you about my mission. Things I want to reveal to you about the will of the Father. But you can't handle it right now in and of yourself. You're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to say this to you. There's things in life that's going to come your way that in your own flesh you can't handle. You need the Holy Spirit. So, let me go on. Uh, he said that he'll guide you into all truth. Watch this. He says... Uh, He'll come to guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears, and he'll tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And that is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known unto you. So the Spirit is there to make us know the will of the Father. Now, uh, I'm going to move on. Acts chapter 1 and 4. This is so important. I want you to see this. Jesus, I'm almost paraphrasing, they'll put it up there for you, but on one occasion while they were eating, he gave this command. He said to his disciples, he's telling his 12, he says, do not go to, don't, don't leave Jerusalem, don't go preaching, don't go do revivals, don't go do no Sunday school, nothing right now, but stay right here 
until you get the promise. I done told you the promise is available, right? The promise is about to be fulfilled. I'm going to show it to you. He said, but I want you to stay right here until you are. What's this? He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father that is promised that you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, would y'all suggest that, I mean, wouldn't you think the disciples, they were already saved, wasn't it? Thank you. He said, you fix to get a deeper walk. Huh? Yeah. Hey, let me tell you something. The people um, in Ephesus, they were saved too. They got saved. The people in Samaria, they got saved. Paul on the Damascus Road got saved on the Damascus Road, but he got filled with the Holy Spirit three days later when Ananias laid his hands on him and said, receive you the Holy Ghost. Oh, goodness. Anyway, so then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times and the dates that the Father is set by his own authority. Watch this. Here it is, verse 8. But you will receive power. Somebody say power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, I, you know, we was doing a lot of work up here electrically when it come time to redo all this, you know, for Easter. And we had somebody back in our power room back there on a cell phone and somebody out here and we were plugging in something to see if the light come on. And then there was time we plug it in, there's no light. That means it looks good. You can plug it in. It ain't no juice, baby. And there's a lot of people that are saved and they love the Lord and they look in the park, but it ain't no juice, baby. And all of a sudden when we, hey, hey, that's the one right there, man. The light just come on. And all of a sudden, you got juice flowing through the circuit now. It's not dead anymore, but it has come alive. And what I'm saying is this. God wants to give us the power. You'll receive power after the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Now, I want to I help somebody with this. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Listen, the Holy Spirit didn't come on us just to make us say yabba dabba do. He did not come upon us just to make us spell Coca-Cola backwards or something like that. He did not come upon us. I'm not trying to make light. Listen, I have the awesome respect, the most respect for the Holy Spirit. Listen, but he did not send the Holy Spirit for us to be big shots and call everybody out and prophesy. I'm not knocking that. There's some genuine and there are some real and there are some that is phony and fake as they come. Listen. You'll receive power from the Holy Spirit. Here's the chief reason we received the Holy Ghost. That we would be His witnesses in all the earth. The entire reason we receive the endowment of power and the infilling of power is to take your personal testimony and give you the boldness to share it with authority and unction. So that you will be convinced when you speak. So that those people will be convicted when you speak. That's why we get it, not to be a big shot. Now, does he use it for tongues and interpretation? Yes. Is there such thing as prophecy? Yes. Is there the gift of miracles? Yes. Is there the gift of faith? Yes. Interpretation? Yes. All of these things? Yes. Yes. But the church over the years majored in one thing only, tongues. And the problem is that I've seen people speaking in tongues and shouting, lying like dogs, drinking like fish, sleeping with everybody. I reminisced the other day. I shared with my son. We was talking. It is 20 some odd years ago in my last church. Uh, one lady who done very such thing made a phone call to somebody, told the most horrid lies about the church, run around speaking in tongues and acting crazy. Supposed to be a holy roller. 
I asked her sitting in my office three times, did you ever call anybody and run down to church and talk about this person, that person, all that? Of course, she admitted sleeping with somebody in the church uh, on this phone conversation that uh, one of my friends had given me. And uh, she said, well, Pastor, if I come and meet with you, I'm going to have to have my husband with me, as if I wasn't going to ask her to bring him anyway. So I brought, brought him in, brought her 13-year-old daughter there. And so she comes in, and I ask her three questions. Have you ever said anything negative about this church? No. You ain't never ran down any certain body about this church? No. I said, well, you know what? I want you to tell me who this is. Bam. I hit the tape. My Lord, her husband jumped up. Pastor, I ain't never heard nothing about this. I don't understand. Kelly reached over and turned the tape off. I said, no, no, they wanted to come. Let's let them hear it. So he got to hear about that affair she had had with the brother in the church. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Son, something got moving, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. Are y'all with me? Yeah. So what I'm saying is this. I looked her in the eye and I said, and I called her name, and I said, you run around the altar speaking in tongues, acting to be filled with the Spirit of God, you just told me three lies before I turned the tape on and four lies on the tape and guilty of such things as this. It ought not be so. It is not of God. Now, I know that ain't popular. And I ain't saying I, I'm a saint. Y'all hear me. I'm not saying I'm a judge. I'm simply saying we ought to live up to what we say we are. Anyway, let me move on. So why do you need this? You need this. To, now listen, I'm not saying that anybody's ever filled with the Spirit is not going to mess up. Listen, before the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, which we're going to have in just a moment, in a wholesale way where everybody could be filled with the Spirit, then the God would allow the Spirit to move upon certain men like He moved upon Elijah. Like he moved upon John the Baptist. Like he moved upon David. And when David fell into sin, sin with Bathsheba, you remember that. And, and the Bible says when the prophet rebuked David and said, you are the man, you've done this terrible thing. You know what he did? He knelt and he cried and he prayed to God and he wrote Psalm 51. And he said, oh God, uh, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, this transgression that I've done. He said, forgive me of this. And watch this, restore unto me. The joy of thy salvation. That's the first thing, getting saved. And remove not thy Holy Spirit from me. Now I ain't got fired up. Now I ain't got no time limit on the second one. Are y'all with me? He said, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Watch this. Why? He said, when you've restored me, Lord, I, here's the witness, I'll teach transgressors your ways. I'll help somebody else that's been there. That's why I'm saying be filled with the Spirit. Well, so, listen, when you believe the promise, you can live in the power of the Spirit. You see the faithfulness of God. You, you'll see the faithfulness of God. And when you understand that He gave that promise and He fulfilled it, then you'll understand that if God has promised you something in your prayer closet, it'll come to pass. Let me just take you real quick. Let, let me say, let me ask you this. Who wouldn't want the Holy Spirit? Who wouldn't want the help of the guide, the still small voice in your head? Who wouldn't want the leadership of the Spirit? See, when you hear God's voice, it is not a formula. It is not a method that you follow. It comes down to an intimate love relationship with God mediated back and forth by the Holy Spirit. So let me say this. Acts chapter 2. Turn there real quick with me. I need to show you this. This is the fulfillment of the promise. Jesus said it was going to happen. Here it is. When the day of Pentecost had come, Penta means 50. The 50th day after the Passover. That's why we're called Pentecostal. They were all together in one place. 
and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that, that separated and came to rest on each of them. This is amazing. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And when they heard this, a crowd... Oh, back up one, please. And when they, when they heard this, a crowd came together in bewilderment. He said, because each one heard them in their own language. Utterly amazed, they asked and said, who are these people? Are they all Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of them in our native tongue? There were Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya and Cyrene and visitors from Rome and both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we hear them declaring the wonderful uh, works of God in our own tongue. How is this? Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? What does this mean? Some, however, made fun and said they've had too much to drink. They've had too much to drink. When's the last time you got accused of having too much to drink and weren't guilty? No, he didn't. When's the last time you were so drunk in the Holy Spirit you just couldn't? You needed somebody to help you out of here. I done been there. Y'all with me? But I'm afraid the people we're picking up nowadays, they were in the spirits. Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and he addressed the crowd and said, Fellow Jews, and all of you that live in Jerusalem, let me explain something to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. He said, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Now some of y'all, if, you, if you're that bad at 9 o'clock, it's pretty rough for you. He said, uh, but hey, I just got off of a cruise. <laughs> and I'm going to say, when the sun came up, so did the bottom. <laughs> now, not for me. I just want you to know. The sun, let me tell you. Anyway, it was quite exciting. But anyway, now... No, no, he said, they're not drunk, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days, says God. I'll pour out my spirit on all people, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, your old men will see dreams, he said. And even on my servants and both men and women in the spirit, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they'll prophesy. Fellow Israelites, verse 29, it's moving on down now. He says, Peter says something to him and says, listen. I can tell you confidently that David the patriarch died and he was buried and his tomb is here with us today. He said, but he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. He said, seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he would not be abandoned to the realm of the dead or his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life. And we are all witnesses of it. Now, Peter is addressing the crowd that day. He says, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Verse 36, therefore let all of Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. 
And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and to the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, here's the answer. And here it is for us. Repent and be baptized. What that is, that's the first step. Repent. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I repent. I turn away from and be baptized. He was this. And he said, and every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all those who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. That is incredible. <clears throat> so why do I need it? Why do I need the Holy Spirit? <clears throat> well, I would say, just as a pastor, I think, it's a, I think it would be good just out of sheer obedience to Him. Just because He said, I'm sending you this gift. It, wouldn't it be a shame if He sent me a gift and I didn't even ask, I didn't even receive it? What is that? Just because He said, I'm giving it to you. Us accepting what He said He would send to make our lives easier and to, to have them filled with power. To have that one that comes alongside us and says, you know, I said in the first service, there's a lot of people that would have got their behind whipped had it not been for the Holy Ghost on some great Christian man or woman. I mean, and you about ready to knock them to the floor and the Holy Spirit said, no, no, that bring a reproach on me. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, so go ahead and pray for them. Cool your jets and let me handle this. There's a lot of people that would have got whipped had it not been for the Holy Spirit holding some of you good Christian people back. Are y'all hearing me? So next time somebody really got you ruffled, you just look at them and say, you better thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs> Following the example of millions of other people around this world that have been filled with the Spirit and now walk in the Spirit. Here's what I want to tell you. This ties so much into life groups. I don't know if you can get it or not, but if we could get down to verse 40 of chapter 2 in Acts. Verse 40 of chapter 2 in Acts. It says this, With many other words, he warned them, this is Peter, and he pleaded with them and said, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and 3,000 people were added to the church that day. Uh, next verse. He says, and 3,000 people. So here's one of the effects of receiving the Holy Spirit. When we yield ourselves to Him and we receive that, guess what? Great results. And then they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. What's this? And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and the signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and they had everything in common and they sold their possessions and they gave to everyone that had need. And, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and they ate together and they were glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let me say this, when you walk in the Spirit, the Bible says, Walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Is getting filled with the Holy Spirit going to make you a perfect Christian? No, nope. it ain't going to make you perfect. But it's going to improve your ratio, something serious. 
I mean, uh, your success rate's going to go up immensely. Let me show you guys that walked in the Spirit. From the time the Apostle Paul got saved on the Damascus Road, three days later, two things happened to him. He had been struck, struck with blindness. Big scales was on his eyes. He couldn't see nothing. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to Ananias and said, Go to the street that is called Straight and meet one that is called Saul of Tarsus. And he said, Saul of Tarsus, that's the one who's killing all the Christians. Yes, the Lord says. But he said, I want you to go to him. He's a chosen vessel to me. I want you to go to him for two things. I want you to lay your hands on him that he might receive his sight and that he might be filled with the Holy Ghost. And thirdly, I want you to tell him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, I know that goes against the prosperity gospel, but nonetheless. And an eyes got there, and he called him Brother Saul. The Lord has sent me to pray for you. He says, um, and he laid his hands on him, and the Bible says scales fell from his eyes. And he opened his eyes, and for the first time in three days, he was able to see the Bible says as he prayed, the Holy Spirit come upon him and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Ananias began to tell him the great things that he would go through. And I want to tell you something. When the Spirit came on the Apostle Paul that day, never will you ever read another place in Holy Writ where he met with someone that he did not tell them about his Damascus Road experience. When he went to Herod Agrippa, he said to him, when I was traveling this day on the Damascus Road, and a great light knocked me down. And, and then when he talked to the uh, uh, with Festus, he says, I was traveling one day, and then when he talked with Felix, I was traveling one day when he talked with the centurion, the guards. Uh, I was traveling one day, and a great light, he never got over getting saved. Why? It was etched in his heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's a man that was killing people who's now loving people. Here's a man that is working for the state that is now saying, I count all things but loss and dung for the excellency of the knowledge of him that I might be found in him and the fellowship of his sufferings and the power of his resurrection. A man that would later be able to say to his young protege, Timothy, the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. He said, I've run my race. Henceforth, there's laid a crown of, uh, laid up for me a crown of righteousness that I shall receive. And not me only, but all those who are looking for the appearing of the Lord. We find a man that traded all earthly status that he might be identified with Jesus Christ and be filled with His Spirit. You wrote a third of the New Testament. So I'm telling you, you ought to want to be filled with the Spirit. It's not enough just, I mean, yes, you can go to heaven being, being saved, and I'm not knocking that. Salvation is the utmost important thing you'll ever do. But why wouldn't you want to walk in the Spirit? Why wouldn't you want to cast your cares on the Spirit of the Lord and say, oh, Lord, help me carry this? The Bible said it is the Spirit that knows how to pray for us when we don't even know how to pray for ourselves. I don't know if you've ever turned your face up against the wall and said, Lord, I don't know where my next meal's coming from. I don't know about the drugs my son's doing. I don't know about the job I'm about to lose. I don't know about all these things, but I know about you. Let me tell you what Jehoshaphat said that day. He said, oh, Lord, they've got us surrounded. They're here and they're there. He said, we don't know what to do, but I'll tell you this. My eyes are stayed on thee. 
Amen. Let me tell you something. When you get into the realm of the Spirit, spiritual things happen then. And I'm going to say this. and Go ahead and stand with me. How many of y'all remember the great prophet Elisha? The great prophet Elisha in the Old Testament. The uh, king of Syria was after him because he kept revealing to the king of Israel what God was going to do and, and how the enemy was trying to come against him. And Elisha would, would tell his servant, they'd run to the king and they would inform him. So King Ben-Hadad said, you know what, I'm going I'm to stop this foolishness. And somebody told Ben-Hadad, they said, you know what, there's a prophet there. His name is Elisha. He, he lives in such a place that if you shut him up, then we'll finally be able to attack them and ambush them because he is the one that's putting a bug in the ear of the king of Israel. And he avoids us every time because he knows where we're at. King Ben-Hadad said, no big deal. He sent out his little CIA deal and said, let's, let's get rid of Elisha the prophet. So they got him one day and here he is in his house. I want y'all to just picture this with me. Gehazi, his servant, comes and looks out and lo and behold, he, he looks and all everywhere he sees all around is Ben-Hadad's army. Swords, chariots, wagons, soldiers dressed in their regalia everywhere all around. His whole house, he's cut off, man. There he is. And he runs back to Elisha, the great prophet of God. And he says, Master, I, want, I just want to put it in my vernacular. It's over, man. Our run is ended they've got us what do, you, what do you mean we're cut off he says the Syrian army is everywhere I looked out the window I, I took a peek out the back it's everywhere there's chariots and horses soldiers all around us the great prophet Elisha Lord open my servant's eyes that he might see go check it he went back and peered out the window and they were still there. Ben-Hadad's army was there. But standing up above them and all the way around was angels shoulder to shoulder. He come back and said, Master, they that be with us are more than they that be with them. I'm telling you, when you get filled with the Spirit, you can walk through dark places. You can be in hard situations and know that God has still got this under control. Bow with me right now. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I don't know the Lord is my Savior right now. I, first, I, I have to get saved. Would you just slip your hand up and write back down? Is there one? Pastor, please, please pray for me. Listen, I wouldn't embarrass you for nothing, friend. It's between you and God. God bless you, son. God bless you. Somebody else? Ma'am, God bless you. Somebody else? Listen, you're not going to come and have to confess nothing to me. It's between you and Jesus. God bless you, sir. Somebody else? Simple prayer right here. It is with me. Everybody, you can say it with me, especially if you raise your hand and says simply, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I have failed you more times than I can count. But I believe with all my heart that you're the Son of God. That God raised you from the dead. And that you're alive today at the right hand of the Father. That you sent your Holy Spirit, as Pastor Mike said today. And I trust you for my salvation. 
word says, if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth, I shall be saved. And that's what I'm doing right now. I shall be saved. I am saved. I cannot do it on my own. I want you to come into my heart, Lord, right now. In Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer, then Jesus just came into your heart. For the rest of us here, right now, our heads are still bowed. If you're saying, Pastor, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want what God has for me. I want the gift of the Holy Spirit operation in my life. Can I just see your hand right now? All across this building, a number of hands have gone up. A number of hands. Now, I want to tell you something. We've made things so much more difficult than what it really is. And I'm not trying to lighten anything here, but I'm simply saying this. Any man, woman, boy, or girl that is saved, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, they are a candidate to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I want you to commit to doing. I'm going to pray in just a second, but I want you to commit to reading the book of Acts. It's not that long. You can read it in a day. But I want you to commit to reading the book of Acts. And then if at all possible, I want you to get John Bevere's book, The Holy Spirit. And I want you to read that book. It, is an, it, is, it has truly impacted my life, and I've been in Pentecost all my life. But here's my prayer for you, Father, in the name of Jesus, for everyone that raised their hands and said, I want to be filled with the Spirit. There is a deeper work of grace. It is more than just accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But Lord, for you to come into their heart so that the fruit will abound. Lord, whether it's tongues, whether it's wisdom, whether it's knowledge, whether it's prophecy, whether it's miracles, whether it's faith, discerning of spirits, whatever it is, God, I'm believing, God, that you are going to fill these people with your spirit. You said it's a gift. You said that you would send it. You said we couldn't handle what you wanted to talk to us about until you sent us the great comforter. And so now we accept the comforter. I accept your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I'm going to dig. I'm going to search. I'm going to study. I'm going to pray. And here's the challenge. I'm going to give myself to the Lord. I'm going to listen to praise and worship. I'm going to meditate on His Word. That's your next steps, friend. That's what you need to do this week. I'm going to meditate on His Word. I'm going to dig in. And I'm going to see my walk. Listen, I'm telling you, if you'll do these things, listen, my wife received the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues while cleaning the house, listening to a Jimmy Swagger song years ago, 30-some-odd years ago or 30 years ago, in Valdosta, Georgia, dusting furniture and washing dishes, cleaning the house. Wherever you're at, you ain't got to be in the church house. You can be beside your bed. You can be in the woods. You can be wherever. But I want you to be filled with the Spirit. Give the Lord praise as our host comes.